Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Um, So I thought if I'm going to talk about being receptive and responsive, I should start with just kind of a confession. Um, I can often be not very receptive or responsive. (laughs) One of the ways that plays out is I have this weird thing, like, I don't know, somebody probably knows, maybe it's like some technical form of ADD or something like that. But as opposed to being someone that's easily distracted by lots of things, I can get really focused on one thing and my house could be burning to the ground and I won't know. Like I can just be super, super locked in doing this. And so like people are talking to me and I'm not responding to them because I'm doing this thing. Does anybody else have this issue? Okay, all right, I've got, yes, I've got some people that can relate to me, yes. Now you would think being in a house with eight people, it might teach me to break out of that. But instead, I just assume they're all talking to each other and I just keep focusing on the thing I'm doing. And so often, you know, I'll find my wife just going, Jake, 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 like trying to get my attention to say something, even though I'm like right there next to her. So I'm sorry that I'm not very responsive sometimes. Um, Yeah, I I hope that maybe grows and changes in my life. I don't know. I think I might be getting worse. (laughs) So there's my introductory sermon illustration. I am not very responsive sometimes. Um, But here's the deal. Outside of whatever weird thing I deal with there, um, what I do know is often I'm not, very, I'm not very receptive to what the Lord is saying, not because I don't want to hear him, but because I'm not even putting myself in the position to be receptive. I'm not even putting myself in the place to hear from him. Because the one thing I do know is that when I stop and I allow my wife or my kids to get my attention, then they get my full attention. And I can truly take in and hear what they're saying, what they want to communicate, and I can really receive it and then respond to it. And so as we're moving into this this morning, like the, the passage we're most familiar with is, you know, being a, being a doer, not just a hearer only. And I think sometimes we neglect the first part too. Like we have to be a hearer first so I can then apply it to my life. So it's, it's not either or, it's both and. We're called to do both. So let's talk a little bit about being receptive this morning. So We're picking this up in James chapter one. We're gonna read verses 19 and 20 to get started here. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person, that's all of us, every person, right? Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. Anybody else immediately convicted? I am, okay, good. And let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I feel like in a lot of ways, I don't even have to explain this because it's like the very spirit of our age. We are not slow to speak and slow to anger. We are quick to speak and quick to anger. Like it just, it just pops out of us so fast 
We lash out so quickly. We're so quick to react, so quick to speak, so quick to lash out in anger when we see something wrong out there or I feel like I have just been wronged or attacked. We're so quick to speak. We're so quick to be angry. And guess what, friends? Like, even when we're, when we're quick to speak and be angry about good things, it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. When I get angry at other people who I see mishandling things or missing the truth completely, my angry response to them doesn't bring them into the righteousness of God. If anything, it just further adds fuel to the fire. And so even if we're angry about the right stuff, it's often to the very detriment of what we're hoping to accomplish. And so James's solution to this is, hey, in order for you to have any chance at being slow to speak or slow to be angry, your quick response needs to change. Like your quick response should be to slow down and listen. Be quick to respond with listening. Um, growing up playing, playing some sports, like one of the things that would happen is we would get drilled a lot by our coaches. And so whether it was like when I was in Little League, you know, we're drilling for like, you know, receiving a ground ball. And like being in a ready position was important. If I'm standing up like this and all of a sudden I hear the crack of the bat and the ball's coming my way, I'm gonna spend the first couple of important seconds just getting back into position, the ball's through my legs and gone. But if I'm, if I'm ready and I'm in this position, my muscles are ready, now I can be quick to respond. So like I hear that sound, I see the ball and I can quickly respond to it. There is a reflex that we have to relearn to be quick to listen. That when something comes my way is my immediate reaction. I need to slow down and learn a little bit more about this. I need to hear what's really going on. I need to listen to what's transpiring in this circumstance. And notice what James tells us to really listen to. It's not just let me listen to what's going on out here. He's gonna move us from thinking externally to, to pausing and thinking internally a little bit. Watch, watch how he redirects us. Verse 21, if I'm gonna move to being a person that's quick to hear, he says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Filthiness and rampant wickedness. Filthiness, it really, it's literally like the visual of, of something being like polluted. Polluted, dirty. Rampant wickedness, it's, it's someone who's like, man, I'm actually totally fine with just neglecting what I should be doing. Um, and he says, put it away. That idea of putting it away, it's like the imagery of like taking clothes off. So like, imagine a circumstance where you're in a hurry to get dressed and you're like, nope, not that, that doesn't look right. And you're just sort of chucking clothes around the room. That's how we should be about our own sins and struggles. Quick to say, I gotta get that off. Instead of being quick to react about the things out there that make me angry, I ought to be quick to react and go, what needs to change right here? And then look what he says is next. I, I put off that and I receive with meekness the implanted word. And what does that do? It's able to save your souls. What's gonna rescue and redeem and save my soul? The implanted word, but I have to receive it. So, so when James says, be quick to hear, he's talking about being quick to hear what the Lord 
wants to say. Being quick to hear it and let it get implanted. That, that imagery is on purpose, implanted. It, it, it means what it sounds like. It's like a seed being sown in the ground. But specifically, this word has within it the idea of a seed germinating. So like, it's gonna work. It's not just it got thrown in there. It's like, it's in the right conditions. It's germinating, it's budding. It's gonna produce something. I have to choose to be in that place. And so there's a key word in here that is so important and it's the word meekness. Now, when I hear the word meekness, usually I then think of weakness. You know, lowly, meek, and mild. I think of someone who's just like, you know, I have to picture like a rabbit, right? It's like, that thing's not gonna hurt anything. Meekness. But that's not what the word actually means. Meekness does not mean, mean weakness. It's, it's an inner character that is, that is receptive. It's receptive. It's open. There's a peaceableness. Like, I can step back and take this in. Um, I thought this was interesting. This particular Greek word, Aristotle talked about this word in contrast with a couple of other Greek words. And he sort of described it like this. Meekness is this middle ground between two extremes. I want you to hear this. What are the two extremes? Extreme number one is getting angry without reason. Getting angry without reason. That's the like quick reaction, quick to be angry. But the other extreme is not getting angry at all. It's apathy. Meekness is the middle ground that, that gets angry at the right time in the right measure for the right reason. I'm able to see accurately what's going on and recognize something's got to change. Something needs to change, and I see this. This is our approach to the word of God. With meekness, will I allow the word of God to penetrate in such a way that I recognize the right things that should stir me? Not quick to react or overreact without reason, but not apathetic. You know, I think one of our responses in a world gone mad is just to like throw our hands up. Like, I don't even know what to do about this. And so just... Let me just put my head down and mind my own business and move on. And like, that's not the solution either. Like the world needs saving. The implanted word of God is our hope for souls to be saved. Well, what James is saying is that starts with me. If I wanna see this happen out there, I've got to stop being so quick to react to all the madness out there. I've gotta slow down and go, God, will I allow your word to confront me? Will, will I allow your word to make me get angry for the right reasons, like the things in me that have got to shift and change? Will I allow your word to contradict me in a healthy way? This is about like having just kind of an open and honest assessment of like, will I, will I, am I willing to hear the things I need to hear? Will I let God speak into those things? Will I let him reveal what needs to be seen. You know, we talked last week about the wisdom that he'll give. If we ask him, he'll give it. Well, this is a practical application of that. It's not just this general, give me wisdom. Being receptive to the word of God is like, Lord, what do you wanna say in this moment, in this circumstance in my life today? How would you ha have me handle this situation? Am I receptive 
to his word and what he would say. The word is the Bible, like it's the written word of God, but it's how that word directly applies to this moment, this circumstance in my life. Lord, what are you wanting to say to me? And do I have ears to hear it? Have I positioned myself to receive your implanted word? Think about that in the context of Jesus' simple words right at the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount when he said, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. All the things we'd love to see better, different and changed. It's gonna start with that place of meekness. Am I willing to be changed? Am I willing to hear what I need to hear from God? Will I be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger? That's the invitation, receptiveness. Let's learn to cultivate that. If any of us lacks wisdom, let's ask it from the Lord. If any of us lacks meekness, let's ask it of the Lord. God, would you retrain my habits that I would learn to be quick to listen primarily to him? Amen? That convicting to anybody else or is it just me this morning? This is one of those sermons like when I'm preparing it during the week, it's like, oh, maybe I'll tell some other people this, but clearly, Lord, this is what I need to hear. So... I am preaching to myself today. All right, so the second point this morning, there's just two points. Point number two, if the first one is being receptive, the second is being responsive. Now I've heard, now I've allowed myself to receive a little bit. What do I do now? James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If the first spirit of the age I referenced is that we're very quick to speak and very quick to be angry, I think sadly, another mark of our generation is that we equate like being in a right place with hearing and agreeing. I don't know that the church is necessarily known for being hearers and doers. I think many in the American church just assume if I'm a hearer and an agreeer, I'm in the right place. And so we just kind of attach ourselves to, to places or people or movements or ideas that we agree with and then go, I'm in the right because I agree with the right people on the right topics in the right circumstances. He doesn't say be an agreer with what you hear, be a doer, apply it. Often we know the right things but are we actually applying them in our lives in a tangible way? Listen, we critique everyone and everything. It's so easy to see externally the things I disagree with and the things I agree with. And so we critique the world at large. The world's wrong. We critique the church at nauseum. Like, man, you can't, you can't find a church you ought to go to. They're all heretics. Like, if you just read a little bit online, it's like, who could I possibly agree with? Like, we just, we attack everyone. Boomers, they're wrong. Millennials, they're wrong. Gen Z, they might be wrong, but we're still trying to figure out their hieroglyphics that they've got going on. They've kind of returned back to this emoji thing. And, but if I could figure out what they're saying, I'd probably disagree with it too, right? Like, just, I'm just being silly. 
Um, listen, like we're just so quick to see all the things that are wrong, but like what we're supposed to do as we're learning the truth, as we're hearing the truth, it's not just going like, yep, I agree. Yep, I see that. Yep, that's right. And then let me go preach that to everybody else who needs to hear it. No, I need to hear it and do it. I need to put this into real action in my life. We're so quick to want everybody else to put it into action in their life. The world changes one person at a time. Will I receive the implanted word of God and move beyond just hearing and agreeing with it and deceiving myself? Will I instead cooperate with the very word of God that's being poured into my life? Will I put it into practice? Look at the next couple of verses. James just gives us a practical example of like how we miss this. It says in verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a person who looks intently at his face in the mirror. He looks at himself and then he goes away at once and forgets what he looks like. What's he describing? A total lack of self-awareness. Like I see what's wrong out there and I could fix it all, but I'm so blind to what's right here in front of me. See, this, this is why the Lord gives us his word and it's why he gives us each other. There's things about ourselves that we just, we miss. And we need to invite the Lord to come and speak into those things. Guess what? There's, there's things about ourselves that we miss that the people around us, they don't. If I'm not sure what I ought to be working on, I bet if I just slow down long enough to ask like my wife, my kids, a couple of my good friends, they'll be able to point right out what might need a little attention. It's, it's called a blind spot for a reason, right? I just don't see it. It's back here and out of view, and yet I'm leaving a wake behind me that's hurting other people. And so when, I can't just read the word and immediately think, oh, I've got this. Those of us who maybe, maybe walked with the Lord for a while and we're familiar with scripture, maybe some of us are like, hey, I've, I've actually read the book of James a lot. We're diving into some of my very favorite passages. I know some of these words really well. Cool, am I reading them today with the mindset of what does God want to say to me today through this? Or am I just excited that some other people in the room might finally get some of this stuff? I've been waiting for some of these folks to get, get a good look at James. <laughs> My spouse is really needing to hear this series. No, I need to hear this. I need to receive this. And so we, we've got to stop deceiving ourselves and thinking, because I read it and I go, I mentally agree with it, that means I'm where I need to be. No, Lord, I see the truth of what you're saying. What are you trying to tell me today? What does that look like in my life? How can I apply this in a real tangible way? And so James tells us how, verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, we're gonna talk more about the word being the law of liberty um, in the coming weeks. So I'm not gonna spend too much time on that. But I just wanted to highlight it. That's not how I view law very often, as liberating. But God's law, God's word, what he has to say is liberating. It brings freedom. So what James is telling us here is he's not saying literally go stare in the mirror and just become a, a huge self-critic. Like when I say we need to be honest with ourselves, I don't mean we need to get really hard on ourselves. Because if, if you're like me, I actually am pretty critical of myself. I can be. 
I, I can be pretty critical and hard on myself. It's not that. This isn't, this isn't like I either am blind and ignoring what's wrong with me or I'm beating myself up over here. Because by the way, if I'm beating myself up, that's back to like the anger of man not producing the righteousness of God. If I'm beating myself up, that's not gonna grow me in character. I'm not staring at myself in this weird obsessive way. What I'll do is I, I stare at the perfect law of liberty. I stare at the word of God. I reflect on it. I take it in. I let it penetrate my life. And if I do that and I begin to cooperate with what I'm reading, eventually I will start to reflect that more and more. And so I I stare, I look into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres. I love that. That word perseveres, it is, it is connected to the same word as the word abide. I abide. I live there. Taking in, absorbing, reflecting on the word of God. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, who will be blessed in his doing. When I read that this week, I was like, this is weird because I don't think I've taught out of James recently and like coming into this series, we're gonna be in it a lot. And I was like, I remember talking about being blessed in our doing like really recently. So it's like, Lord, what was that? I feel like we just talked about this. The very last sermon we did in our, in our ADJ series last year, we looked at Jesus when he was washing the disciples' feet and he was setting an example for them of how to serve. And when he finished washing their feet and he was talking to them about it, he said, Use this as an example. And he said, you'll be blessed in the doing. And now James, his brother, is telling us, you'll be blessed in the doing. I love that. That's what abiding is, being blessed in the doing. So look at this. The first thing we do is we abide in the word. And then the second thing we do is we respond to it as we're abiding in it. I just wanna hearken back to Jesus' words here. Jesus speaks on abiding in a couple of places. First of all, John 8, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You wanna know if you're a disciple of Christ? Like home base for you is spending time in the word of God, taking it in, receiving it. Jesus talks about this a little bit more in John 15, verse five. I am the vine You are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. See, I don't, I don't, I don't just spend time with the word of God in the sense of like the printed scripture or the on my phone digital scripture that I can read. I do spend time in that, but Jesus is the the word made flesh. He's the living word. So I'm, I'm abiding in the word of God. I'm taking it in, but I'm abiding in the person of Jesus who's with me, who will help me take those words that I'm reading and I'm learning and I'm understanding. And in that, that loving, gentle, but direct way that he does, he'll make it clear to me how I need to apply that in my life in this way, in this moment, in this season. So I abide in the word and I abide in him. And then when he speaks, I respond, I respond. We're blessed in the doing, James says. We're blessed in the doing, Jesus says. I love this. Alex shared about this. Was it last Sunday or a couple weeks ago? Do you remember? It was last Sunday. Um, If you were here last Sunday during worship, Alex just kind of stopped and he was talking about 
the passage where Jesus talks about um, building our lives on the rock and not on the sand. And he was describing, like he'd been reading this devotion where the guy was talking about, like if we hearken back to that day and this kind of like desert culture, it would be easy to cut corners where if you're gonna build a house, you start digging past the sand and you get down to this hard clay and it feels firm. And like, hey, we can just put the foundation right on this hard clay. But when the rainy season comes, that clay is gonna turn to mud and it's gonna shift and crack the foundation and the house will fall. So you have to do the hard work of digging through the clay to get to the true bedrock. And that's the firm foundation. Well, Jesus tells us what that work is. How do I do that digging that goes beyond the sand and the clay and I get down to the bedrock? Jesus tells us right here in Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and agrees with them, no, does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. It is a blessing to hear the word of God. It is a blessing when it penetrates our heart and we get encouraged. We get taught something new. We get reminded of something old. It's even a blessing when I get convicted of something that needs to change. It's a blessing to receive the word of God. The true blessing though comes when I put it into practice in my life. When by the grace of God, I realize he empowers me to do the very things he's teaching me. We're blessed in the doing. Am I looking honestly in the mirror? Will I let the word be revealing? Will I receive that truth? And will I be responsive to it? Friends, this is a simple message this morning, but it is so important. This isn't necessarily about learning a bunch of new information this morning. It's about having a mindset that slows down, that is receptive to what God wants to say and a life that has purpose to be responsive to Jesus. Will I obey what he says? James concludes all of it with this, verses 26 and 27, the closing of chapter one. If anyone thinks he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's, that's the results of living a receptive and responsive life. I have a genuine faith that's meaningful, that produces something. Like, what is he after? Man, first he's after my own heart, to be undefiled, to be kept clean, to be made new. See, the beautiful thing is I don't have to come to him undefiled. He redeems me, he washes me, he makes me new. And then he helps me live life on a whole new footing, purified by his precious blood, unstained by the world, he says. How, how many of us as believers truly have that as my goal? Like, Lord, I wanna be unstained from the world. And then I can also have a real impact by other people who are being harmed by the world. Widows and orphans, people in trouble who need help. 
as I'm changing and I'm growing and I'm cooperating with what he wants to do in my life, he puts me in a place where I can make a difference in the lives of others. He helps me remain unstained by the world and he helps me serve those who've been afflicted by the world. That's what God wants to do. Man, how cool would it, would it be if his church more and more looked like that? A group of people who were slow to speak, slow to anger, not trying to change the world with our righteous indignation, but people who had some meekness saying, Lord, cleanse me, purify me, and then help me cooperate with you to touch the lives of other people who are troubled and afflicted. I wanna grow in this, guys. Like, I'm just being honest with you. I have room to grow in this. Let's start there. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your precious word. Lord, thank you. I, I just love the way you affirm this over and over again. Um, God, this is stuff we can do. We can slow down and receive your word. We can choose to have lives that respond to you, that are obedient to you. God, thank you for this wisdom that is simple. And God, we just acknowledge it's hard to do. We acknowledge it's hard to slow down, to be receptive. God, it's, it's easy to stop at just agreeing with good news and not letting it truly penetrate. Lord, would you, would you give us some strength and some courage to do some digging? Lord, to clear away not just the sand that sits on top, but God, even to, to dig down into the clay to get to that firm bedrock. God, that as we cooperate, as we become doers of what we're learning, that you become our firm foundation because our lives are built on you and our actions and behaviors cooperate with your place of lordship in our lives. Help us to walk this out by your grace, by your faithful presence in our lives. We love you. We need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen.